That's not, that's not evil. Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil. Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of it. for the gay disco. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What? Are there no slurs here? Die for the gay disco. This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they're the villains, and the opposite is Definitely our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That, that's, what they, that's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. I mean, is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Fight the people who don't like disco. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello. Hello. And welcome, and welcome once, once again, again to EMJ Live. Live. It's, it's Friday, Friday uh, a beautiful, beautiful sunny, sunny winter day in February in South Bend, Indiana. Indiana. And the, and the big news, news uh, this, this week is that the FBI is targeting traditional Catholics. Catholics. Uh, uh, wow. Where did Where they did get they... this story? It turns out that there was a, uh, an agent who got fired from the uh, FBI, from the Richmond branch of the FBI, and in retaliation, he leaked an internal memo which uh, listed uh, the, uh, a group of uh, traditional Catholics. This is important here. The, the uh, terminology is important. Uh, who had been targeted by the SPLC. So it turns out that the FBI is in bed with the SPLC. Now, this, of course, is something that we knew uh, back uh, way back when. Uh, it, it, it's important to know when we're talking about this happening because things changed over time. And uh, uh, what happened over this period of time is that the FBI got out of bed with the SPLC. Uh, and this was uh, a period coming from a period before when that happened. But uh, so there's some confusion here. Uh, Church Militant uh, said that uh, this 
uh, list was published in 2021. It wasn't published in 2021, no matter what stands on one of these documents. This uh, list came about 16 years ago. Uh, I know because I'm on the list, and I remember when it came out. It came out, uh, uh, this, this is, this, this list is, so let's back up here a minute. The term that got used on the list was radical traditional Catholicism or radical traditional Catholics. Now, that one term that never got mentioned in this was the Latin Mass. Uh, unfortunately, as soon as the article came out, the spin started to take place, and suddenly we're reading uh, people like Charlie Kirk saying, the FBI is waging war on the traditional Latin Mass. Tim Gordon said, uh, the FBI is waging war on TLM Catholics. Uh, Taylor Marshall evidently did, wrote something similar. Same thing. This did not appear in the document. This document, uh, FBI document, has nothing to do with the Latin Mass. Well, what's it about? This document, I hate to say this because of the way it's going to sound, this document is about me. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that? Is everything about you, Dr. Jones? Okay, first of all, I say that because I'm on the list. Okay, let me give you a, a brief uh, rundown on the list. Catholic Apologetics International. That's Robertson Genesis Apostolate. It has nothing to do with the Latin Mass. He's written on uh, scripture, apologetics, and did a great book on uh, Galileo was wrong. Never wrote about the Latin Mass in all of the 30 to 50 books he's written. Okay. Catholic Family News. Nope. Nothing to do. I mean, these are traditionalists in some sense or other. This is, uh, was originally founded by the Fatima Crusader, Father Gruner. Uh, he's on the list, too. Uh, that's about Fatima, as the title says. It's about the Fat Fatima Rosary Crusade. Uh, I, it has nothing to do with the Latin Mass. Uh, it has nothing to do with anything else in there. Christ or chaos, don't know what that is. And then we come to, in the spirit of Chartres, that's uh, Judith Sharp's operation. She's a traditionalist. Uh, that doesn't promote the Latin Mass, as far as I know. I think that I know why it was on there, because of her son, John Sharp. Uh, at the time we're talking about, 2006, he had done which is when this list originally came out, he had done a book attacking the neocon uh, group of the neocons, it was called Neocon, uh, about the group that dragged us into the Iraq war. John Sharp was an officer in the Navy at that time. He had then went under something like the naval version of uh, court-martial, uh, was expelled and then vindicated, and so on and so forth. Nothing to do with the Latin mass. The remnant. Okay, that's a, a newspaper. Uh, okay, they're tra he's a traditionalist. That's Michael Matt. He's a traditionalist. Okay, uh, but that's not exclusively about the Latin Mass. Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. They're the Feniites from uh, New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, okay, but they're not promoting. That's what they're promoting. It's Feni tradition and action. The other group. Um, that's a one of the fronts of uh, TFP, the cult from Brazil. None of these, first of all, have anything to do with each other. They're all different. 
And then finally, there is Culture Wars, Fidelity Press, South Bend, Indiana. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think happened here. Okay, first of all, uh, why am I on the list? Why am I on the list? I have, I have the only group I could, I, I could see remotely having contact with would be Bob Genesis Catholic Apologist International, Apologetics International. Uh, but that has nothing to do with the Latin Mass. And in some sense, uh, I'm not even a, a traditionalist or a radical traditionalist or any kind of traditionalist. But I think I'm the reason for the list. And I'll tell you why. Okay, this list began, the, the, I know the lady who wrote the list. Her name is Heidi Byrick. She was working for the Southern Poverty Law Center. And uh, she contacted me on the phone for some type of report that she was writing. More importantly, uh, this list goes back to a particular event, namely the memorial service for Sam Francis that took place. Sam Francis died in 2005. I believe this took place at the uh, uh, late 2005, early 2006. That's my understanding. At this point, she didn't know me. I didn't know her. I, I'm uh, asked to give a speech at the Sam Francis Memorial. Uh, by Fran Griffin. I'm uh, curious, I'm not exactly sure why. There were other people who knew him better than I did, but I got asked to give the speech. And I did give the speech. Uh, and it was incredibly controversial. Okay? Um, I went on and talked about uh, the last meeting I saw with Sam Francis. Sam Francis was a columnist, uh, conservative columnist for the Washington Times. Uh, until William F. Buckley showed up and got him kicked off the Washington Times. And at that point, he had an identity crisis, and he became a white guy uh, because he came from the South. And that was uh, an, an identity for people in the South, and that's what he was. Uh, and then uh, he got sick and he died. And on his deathbed, he converted to Catholicism. Now, I gave a speech in which I talked about the last conference he gave, uh, which was with John Tyndall. John Tyndall is talking about the glories of being a white guy. Uh, mentioned Elizabethan England. At that point, I'm with my friend Jerry Bruin. This is in Washington. He looks at me, and I look at him, and the, both, the same thought occurs to both of us. Elizabethan England. Isn't that the time where you could get hanged until not quite dead and then drawn and quartered for saying the Mass? Uh, why exactly would any Catholic want to be associated with that period of time? So at this point, Jerry asked Tyndall, are the Irish white? And, Jerry, and the Tyndall says, of course the Irish are white. My mother's Irish. And at this point, Sam Francis turns to Tyndall and he says, are Jews white? And that's how I began my talk at the Sam Francis Memorial. I said, I'm going to tell, answer Sam Francis's question. Well, at that point, you could have heard the proverbial pin drop in the room, okay? And then I went on to give the thesis of the Jewish revolutionary spirit, which I was writing at the time. I was in the middle of writing it, and I said that uh, the Jews uh, were, it's pointless to talk about race here, uh, we're to, we need to talk about the Jewish revolutionary spirit, uh, which has nothing to do with race. It was 
rejection of Logos, when they killed Christ, when they rejected uh, Logos, they rejected the order of the universe. When they rejected the order of the universe, they became revolutionaries, and that's what they are to this day. Well, it was if, as if I had set a bomb off in the room. At this point, Taki was there. Taki said, we're all going to be arrested. <laughs> the lady who was in charge, I forget her name, but she ran up to C-SPAN. The cameraman's there. Cut up, stop the filming, throw out the tape, don't, don't do anything, okay? Now, uh, uh, Sam Dixon was there to, to his, he was ready to storm the uh, podium and lynch me. They had a lamppost all ready for me, except my wife was there and she threatened him with, to beat him with her umbrella and so that didn't have to, to be, uh, that's, I'm making that up. Sam Francis was, uh, I'm sorry, Sam Dixon was upset, but he called me back and he said, look, I understand what you're saying. And what I was saying was basically, okay, I'm a Catholic from the North. Uh, I'm not white. I'm biracial. I'm Irish and, and German. Uh, the white boy thing is a Southern thing, but we can still cooperate against a common enemy, and the common enemy is the revolutionary Jew or the Jewish revolutionary spirit, however you want to put it. Well, that was hugely controversial. Now, guess who was in the audience when I gave that talk? Heidi Byrick of the SPLC, uh, undercover agent. She's going to gum air and expose these white boys. They're all a bunch of racists until I blew up the entire racial narrative by giving my talk. Suddenly, it wasn't about race anymore. Suddenly, it was about something more important to Heidi, which was about the Jews. So she wrote a report on this, and she said that I was, uh, E. Michael Jones was red-faced and shouting. Well, I, I was, I, I was red-faced. I don't remember shouting, but I was red-faced because they had these huge lights on there, uh, and it was hot, and I was sweating like a pig, uh, and so I was red-faced. So the one thing she didn't mention was the fact that I didn't talk about race. I completely blew up the racial narrative. I said, it's not about race. It's about the Jewish revolutionary spirit. So this takes her aback because the race issue is the SPLC's bread and butter. So she goes back and she then comes up with this list called the Dirty Dozen. That's the list I just read to you. That's the list that showed up in the FBI files. Now, how did that resurrect. Well, what happened here is exactly what I said, is that because uh, everybody uh, ignored what I said, Jewish power increased exponentially during this period of time from 2016, when this first, I'm sorry, 2006, when this first appeared all the way to today. And as a result, uh, Biden got uh, elected and he uh, uh, brought into his cabinet 10 Jews. They could have had a minion. They didn't have to go to the synagogue. They could have had a minion right there at the White House, okay? And one of those Jews was Anthony Blinken. Anthony Blinken, okay, he's a Secretary of State. The other one was, more importantly, Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland is head of, he's the uh, Attorney General. He's head of the Justice Department. The FBI is under the Justice Department. And so the memo goes out from the top here from the Jew at the top, that we need to look into face cases. Now, what's face? 
the federal uh, act, uh, a federal abortion clinic entrance act. This is sponsored by Teddy Kennedy, a traitor to the Catholic faith, uh, who basically said it made it a federal crime to block access to clinics, abortion clinics. Okay, this was in reaction to Operation Rescue. So now it's a federal crime. Now we have a Jew at the top of the Justice Department. And what I've been telling you for months now, ever since the overturn of Roe versus Wade, is that abortion is a Jewish sacrament. 400 Jewish organizations have now come out and said abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. Now, Jews don't like me to say that. Uh, Charles Moskowitz always challenges me. Ben Shapiro says they're not really Jews, but this is the case. And they take their sacraments very seriously and with good reason, okay? So when the memo goes out, we want to punish people who are uh, being sacrilegious. And who is the main group of people who are being sacrilegious when it comes to the Jewish sacrament of abortion? It turns out that they are Catholics in particular Catholic pro-lifers. Catholics have always been the backbone of the pro-life movement. And so now the federal government has declared war on Catholics, especially Catholic pro-lifers. That's the gist of the document. This has nothing, absolutely nothing, to do with the Latin Mass. It has to do with the Jewish sacrament of abortion, and it has to do with punishing anyone who treats it with disrespect. Okay? Now, the order went out, and the order was put into practice. There were, as far as I know, 11 face cases now being prosecuted by the federal government. The FBI was involved in all of them. And the most famous of them was the case against Mark Houck of Pennsylvania, southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, to be exact. And to be even more precise here, Mark Houck and I went to the same high school, LaSalle High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. He's class, I'm class of 66, he's class of 92. So obviously we never met each other in high school. But this is, he's a product of Catholic Philadelphia. He's a man who walked in the footsteps of great pro-lifers like Joe Wall, a courageous figure in Philadelphia, my friend Kathy Kyle, who fought courageously with her own organization against abortion. Philadelphia was a, a bastion of pro-life activity in Pennsylvania, and guess what? The Jews knew that. Surprise, surprise. And the Jews who are now in control of the FBI are now telling uh, their agents to go after them. Now, there's a, a certain irony here because the FBI was always known as a Catholic operation. I mean, if you went to Notre Dame, that was one of the traditional career paths that you could follow. You couldn't get into the State Department because that was for smart people who went to Yale and then eventually Georgetown. But if you went to Notre Dame, you had a career ready for you in the FBI. And so there are lots of Catholic agents there. Now, I'm trying to figure out the spin on this thing because if you say it's the Latin Mass, you are completely mystifying what's going on because the Latin Mass, then it's the Novus Ordo, so it's Novus Ordo. No, it's not that. It's not liberal versus conservative. It's not black versus white. It's not Novus Ordo versus Latin Mass. It is Jew versus Catholic. That is the 
internal grammar. That is the armature of this conflict, and it got weaponized for real when Merrick Garland became head of the Justice Department. Now, Mark Halk found this out uh, to his surprise when, uh, I believe it was in May, there is a pre-dawn raid on his house in Bucks County, 25 FBI agents with guns drawn showing up to drag this family man out of his house, drag this Catholic out of his house in front of his seven crying children, uh, drag him out, handcuff him, and drag him off as if he's some type of criminal for a crime, I'm putting that in quotes here, a crime that didn't even rise to the level of a misdemeanor in a jurisdiction run by Larry Krasner, who you would think would also be persecuting Catholics. Didn't happen. The incident was basically uh, Mark Halk goes and does sidewalk counseling at the abortion clinic. There's a guy who shows up all the time, a Jew by the name of Bruce Love, who does not like how foul-mouthed Jew who screams obscenities at him whenever he sees him. And at this point, this particular instance, uh, Mark Halk brought his 12-year-old son with him, and it looked as if Bruce was ready to go, uh, Bruce Love was ready to go and assault his son. So Mark Halk stepped in and tried to prevent him, and then Hal Love turned this incident into an attack on him and also an attempt to prevent people from entering the abortion clinic, which is now a federal offense. And believe it or not, the entire Justice Department of Southeast Pennsylvania, the entire FBI of Southeastern Pennsylvania took this ridiculous claim seriously and made literally a federal case out of it. And that case went to court a week ago, and it was laughed out of court. Mark uh, Hauk was acquitted of all of the charges against him in a trial that blew up in the face of all of these people who are determined uh, to persecute the Catholics for standing up for the right to life. Now, we have a, this article is going to appear. We have an article by an eyewitness, also a LaSalle High School grad, uh, Brendan Whitaker has written an article for us. This will appear in the coming months, the March issue of Culture Wars. Uh, it tells you the whole detail about this thing was orchestrated by, by feminists, uh, the whole operation. Anyway, the details. Want the details, read the article. What I'm saying here is that this is another substantiation of what I've been saying all along. Yes, abortion is a Jewish sacrament. It is, in fact, the Jewish sacrament of initiation. Why do I say that? Because if you're a woman and you have an abortion and you don't repent, you become a Jew. And how do I know you become a Jew? Because you vote like a Jew. And how do I know you vote like a Jew? Because Josh Shapiro is now governor of Pennsylvania. No one can get elected in Pennsylvania without the Catholic vote. The Catholic vote is the swing vote everywhere, but it's particularly a swing vote in, in um, Pennsylvania. Why would a Catholic vote for a Jew who basically bragged about persecuting the Catholic Church? 
There is one answer to that question, and it is abortion. Abortion is the Jewish sacrament of initiation. It is how they turn Catholic women into pro-abortion feminists, and that's how they stay in political power. That's why they're in power in Pennsylvania, and that explains this document. That's my rant for today. What do you have to say? All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Um, first time I think I've done a face reveal on here. Hello, Cozy. Hello, Telegram. I'm Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant. Uh, our call-ins are made via Telegram. The link is in the description for you guys on Cozy. Um, in Telegram, one sec, can you guys, yeah, you guys can hear me. Uh, in Telegram, I will uh, pick those who raise their hands. Uh, later in the stream, we'll read off uh, text questions from Cozy, and there are no paid super chats required. Uh, try to keep your questions on subject. Uh, try to keep the one question, be respectful of time, and most importantly, do not forget to unmute yourself. There's always someone who forgets to unmute yourself. If Dr. Jones, if I could really quick um, ask the first question. Um, do you have any advice for people in the FBI, because you say there's a lot of Catholics, what should they do to counteract what's going on in their administration? Yeah, this is significant because as I said at the beginning, you, a lot of FBI agents are Catholics. So what do you do now when your job says to you're going to go out and target Catholics? Now, obviously, if the Catholic is a criminal, okay, go after him. Hey, you, you don't, you don't, uh, uh, you're not absolved from the uh, responsibility for crime because you're a Catholic. But this memo makes clear that they are being targeted because Catholics are pro-life. This is an outrageous miscarriage of justice. This, this brings the whole question of the legitimacy of the FBI into question. It calls it into question, and it's up to those Catholic FBI agents to, 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 to do something about this, to stand up to this apt usurpation of justice. This is a flagrant usurpation of justice. And if it goes on this way, you ha we will have to conclude that the FBI has to be abolished. Now, the FBI has a long, ugly history under uh, J. Edgar Hoover. This is not new. You can go into that in another podcast. But this is much worse J. Edgar Hoover would never have dared to do this. Even with all his power, he would never have dared to do this. And now the question is, what are, what are the Catholics and the FBI going to do about it? Are you going to talk to your boss about this? What if, suppose a uh, hypothetical situation. Uh, listen, Bob, uh, we're going to bust a pro-life leader. Uh, are you ready? I want you to get your gun. I want you to have your, uh, your, uh, your uh, AR-17 bulletproof vest with 30-round uh, magazines. This is exactly the way the head, local head of the FBI was dressed when he busted in there. And arrest your fellow Catholic. Something you're going to have to think about, fellas. All right, let's uh, hit the chat. Uh, Charles uh, Otto William Wade, go ahead. Evening, Dr. Jones. Hello. Uh, so uh, I guess what I'm wondering is uh, you've defined this uh, paradigm essentially as a, you know, between Catholics and uh, the Jews. And while I would agree with that, I I'm interested in, say, where much of Protestant America comes in here, because um, I think 
a lot of it may be that uh, you, you've described sort of a kind of the the white boys essentially as as Protestants who don't go to church. And do you think that uh, perhaps because they don't have a sufficient understanding of logos that they may in the future, near future, who knows, have to choose between sort of the the Jew, the, the Jewish path and the Catholic path, essentially. Yeah, I... I and uh, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, for, uh, first of all, uh, I think that uh, Protestantism has imploded after a 500-year run. Uh, I'm talking specifically about formerly Protestant countries, Scandinavia, England, places like that. It's, it's run out of, it, it's no longer the established church in any of these places. If it's not the established church, it can't really survive. Okay, now in America, that was a different situation. Now, I remember uh, in the 1980s, I remember the rise of Jerry Falwell. Remember the moral majority? I mean, evangelicals, the mainline Protestant groups had all defected to or, or abortion. But then the evangelicals rose up, and uh, you had Jerry Falwell with the moral majority. Um, he was against abortion. I worked uh, with uh, uh, Pat Robertson's group, the American Center for Law and Justice, in the 90s. And we were uh, dead set against abortion. There were, uh, but over this period of time, I, I think what has happened is that the Protestant, the Protestant presence here, certainly the political presence of Protestant groups like... Uh, you know, Jerry Falwell, uh, Pat Robertson, uh, all those TV, uh, televangelists of that era, it, they've disappeared. The, 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 there's, no, there's no one there anymore that I can tell. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'd like to see them if they're there. Please let me know that you're there, but, but they're not part of the, the, the scene anymore. And the scene has come down to basically, we're, we're always dealing with the, the triple melting pot as the fundamental sociological reality of America, and that's Protestants, Catholics, and Jews. Uh, the liberal Protestant denominations sided with the Jews on abortion. The conservative denominations sided with the Catholics on abortion. And between the two of them, they kind of evaporated. Uh, they were absorbed into one or the other part of this operation. And now it's all it's Catholic versus Jews, uh, which is pretty much was at the beginning. That's what it was when uh, uh, during the time of the Acts of the Apostles. And that's what it is now. Uh, even in its weakened state, that still uh, the Catholic Church is in a weakened state right now. It's been weakened by Catholic-Jewish dialogue. It's been weakened by the illusion uh, perpetrated by none other than Pope Benedict in his last book that uh, Jews and Catholics uh, believe in the same moral law. That's preposterous. Where have you been? I mean, abortion is not a, 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 a is not part of. What you believe, if you believe in the Torah, it's not there. If you believe in abortion, you're worshiping Moloch. And so what you have here is basically a situation where I think the Protestants, uh, I, I have nothing, you know, I, you know, Protestants are going to be faced with a choice. You're going to have to join the Catholics or you're going to have to join the Jews because your operation has evaporated. And it's going to be this choice that you're facing right now. Fizzy, F1ZZYYYY, all you. Hello, Dr. Jones. Hello. Uh, first of all, uh, God bless you and thanks you, thanks for the work you're doing. Um, and second, so I'm not from the US, I'm from Poland. 
and do you think that this infiltration and the spying that's going on um, of, of what they call traditional Catholics uh, like goes on, let's say, in Europe and or is it like an exclusively American thing? No, no. The, uh, the classic example, this is Germany. <laughs> I mean, Germany makes, uh, makes America look like a free speech paradise. It's really draconian in Germany. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, I, all I can say about my experience in Poland is it was the opposite. Now, the crucial difference between Poland and the United States had to do with the Catholic Church. So when I went over there to do the book tour for the Libido Dominani, the Polish edition of Libido Dominani, there were all kinds of people calling for, you know, press hysteria in the press, headlines, E. Michael Jones, anti-Semite. And it came down to where's the Catholic Church going to stand? And the Catholic Church stood by me, a fellow Catholic. They did not cave in to Jewish pressure. So God bless the Poles for doing that. We had a successful book tour. We sold a lot of books. Uh, and then a month, uh, about a year later, I was in Argentina. I got an uh, email from a poll saying, between your book and the Polish bishop's statement on gender ideology, which was also based on my book via Gabriela Kuby's uh, German translation, between those two things, you defeated gay marriage in Poland. So that was a great victory. I, I had been on Polish television. I said, uh, you know, if your leader is supporting uh, gay marriage, he's a traitor to the Polish people and he wants to uh, bring them to extinction. Uh, that was successful. Yes. But now you've got another problem. And your problem now is Russophobia. That, that was, so in other words, we win on the culture wars front in Poland and now suddenly we lose on the, on the international front here. Uh, I gave this talk, the last talk I gave was in Tarun at the university, and I talked about Russophobia. Because of my experience in Krakow, where I couldn't even mention the name of Vladimir Putin without having this Polish uh, member of parliament, I think it was the European parliament, stand up and walk out, leaving his meal on the table. This is the problem right now. Poland should not be supporting the gay disco. America is one big gay disco. Poles are, are crazy uh, if they're supporting this. Now, the translator uh, during this tour was uh, Mike Krupa. And now I've just seen that he's now a talking head here on uh, uh, American blogs. And he's saying now that the Polish people do not support the war, that it's the elites. It's like you're, you're the, the lunatic Sikorsky who's married to uh, Ann Apfelbaum, one of the Jewish ladies who's uh, part of the neocon mafia over here, and he wants to give the Ukrainians nuclear weapons or something like that, this crazy type of stuff. The, so Poland has the same problem that every other country in the world has, where you have the elites who do not represent the interest of their own people. That's got to change. The only example, counterexample I can give at this point is Hungary, where it looks as if uh, or he, he's clearly supporting the Hungarian people and not going along with his hysteria against Russia. Okay, thanks for the answer. And also, yes, I've read your book, Libido Dominandi, in the Polish translation, and I really enjoyed it. Good. So, Thank yeah. you. Thank you for God reading Next, we have, I believe, Robert Scott. Go ahead. 
Hello, Dr. Jones. Hello. Why is obfuscating the truth so important to the Jews and those who do their bidding? Do they not believe we can handle the truth? Thank you. Because they're in rebellion against Logos. Logos, the, the truth is part of Logos. The truth is the correspondence between mind and reality. That's what sets us free. That's what Jesus Christ said. That's Logos. And they are in rebellion against Logos. And uh, they think, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what they think. They think the truth is the opinion of the powerful. That's exactly what they think. And you know one institution, one Jewish institution that believes that? It's the New York Times. If, it's not, if it doesn't appear in the New York Times, it's not true. Truth is the opinion of the powerful, according to all of these Jewish mainstream media outlets. If they don't say it, it's not true. Well, times are changing. And the most significant change in this regard is what happened yesterday or the day before yesterday when Seymour Hirsch came out with his book, uh, his article, explaining how the Americans blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, everybody knew that. Okay, but the mainstream media would not report on it. They were coming up with cockamamie stories like Vladimir Putin did it, ridiculous stories like that. They didn't report on it. And finally, Seymour Hersh reports on it. Well, guess where that appeared? It wasn't in the New York Times. It was on Substack. Now, what does that mean? When, when, when Seymour Hersh reported on the My Lai massacre, that was front page news on the New York Times. What has happened over this period of time? The Jews at the New York Times have overplayed their hand. They became drunk with their own power. They believed wholeheartedly the truth is the opinion of the powerful. And now they're going to, uh, Hirsch has to go to Substack to, to prove them wrong. Next, we have MV. Go ahead. Good evening, Dr. Jones. I had a quick question. Um, one of the first things that Hitler did when he got elected, at least I've, I've read this, is that he canceled debt and he outlawed usury. Uh, I don't know what, to what extent he outlawed the debt, but in our society, are we getting any closer to the point where people might question usury laws and consider outlawing certain types of debt, at least in America? Thank you. Well, uh, one of the signs of this, uh, that debt has become unrepayable, was the Biden administration's uh, plan to cancel college loans which are a real serious form of debt. This is, this is a real serious problem because these loans are preventing these young people from uh, forming families. They can't do it. And so they sink into despair. They sink into pornography. They sink into all kinds of problems because of so. But uh, that uh, was challenged because I think the other side, uh, the Republican side, felt that uh, they had a, an opportunity uh, to defend uh, free market economics. This has nothing to do with free market economics. It, has, it is the opposite of economic understanding. It is the violation of every principle of economics. And I point this out in my book, Barren Metal, which is a history of capitalism as the conflict between labor and usury. Okay, so aside from that, the answer is no. And the main source of Jewish political power is usury. It's still that way. Sheldon Adelson, these people, the late Sheldon Adelson, the guy who runs Quicken Loans, uh, whose name I forget now, he got to that po power uh, politically because he's a usurer. He's a usurer. And a usury will destroy any form of the economy. It, it, it's, a, it's a danger, a clear and present danger to all of our well-being. 
And if those people control it, uh, they buy politicians and the politicians will never do anything. So what's, so aside from that one thing I mentioned, no, we're heading in the opposite direction. And this is the main uh, source of Jewish power. And once the Jews get political power, they get appointed to offices like uh, Merrick Garland, and then they start persecuting uh, people they don't like. They abuse the justice system they're supposed to support by persecuting people they don't like, like Catholic pro-lifers, and letting their friends off the hook uh, for financial crimes. Next, we have Ye Mike Yay 24 Go ahead. Hello, Doctor. Um, I have, uh, it's good to see you again. Uh, I have more of a, a, a silly question, but firstly, uh, I just I, I just want to ask, can you hear me? You cannot see me. I, I can hear him. He's, you can hear me? He, okay, good. So I was going to ask, um, considering you say, uh, put your canes on, nigga, as a black man, I find that uh, very hilarious. And I want to ask, when people... When people can say the Irish and Italians and Poles are black, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because personally, I consider them one of us, you know, put your crown on, you know, stuff like that. Okay, I, first of all, I don't think anyone ever, uh, I think what they said was uh, they're not white. Uh, now, there was an, I believe it was an article in the New York Times, like when the Italians became white. It was clear, even I remember this sort of as, as, as a young man that the Italians were not considered white. That, that was the issue. They were not, not that they were considered black, but they were not considered white. Uh, they had very rigorous rules uh, about what whiteness meant early on. Uh, in the South, you had one drop of Negro blood. You were not white. It disqualified you. Now we have the reverse, uh, whereas basically you're, you're, you have privilege if you're not white. So uh, that's, that's the way I understand it. That's the way I understand it. Uh, did that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, You're welcome. Question. You're welcome. Take care. All right, next we have, let's see, Amy Smith. Go ahead. Hi, Dr. Jones. Yes. Um, in my area, what we're seeing is alleged hate crime where someone distributes leaflets and I guess they're in Ziplocs with some stones or pebbles or something so they won't blow away and litter or something. So they distributed those all over this local college town. It's not college property, but college town. And then the sheriff's office is telling people to send video or if they have any information to inform on them, but there's no evidence that this was actually illegal. So this is kind of like, I think it was questioning the Holocaust, but they wouldn't really say because they didn't want to spread the misinformation or whatever in the press. But it wasn't an imminent threat. It, you know, as far as I know, there's no evidence of any crime. So they're kind of using, so, and then there's supposedly this FBI program to start tracking anti-Semitism across the country, but no other bias crime. So then anyway, it's just this weaponization into the local police. And now the campus had a few things written on a whiteboard like F Israel and from the river to the sea. And those are clearly political slogans for, you know, anti-Zionist or pro-Palestinian. But then they tried to claim those were hate as well. And the um, provost asked people to 
or I guess he's the chancellor, I, I don't know, the head of the university, asked people to inform if they knew of anyone who might have written those slogans, which are political opinions. So anyway, I'm just uh, wondering if you're watching this, this net expanding where they're going to try to make, you know, of course, criticizing Israel more and more of a crime sure. through more that, that, of control. Sure. Thank you. That's always been their goal. The ADL, I, I said this in an article that just appeared in Culture Worth, the ADL has used people like uh, Congressman Chris Smith from uh, New Jersey to press for hate crimes legislation. They have never existed in the United States. This is what is crippling the German people to the point where they can't even ask who blew up the pipeline. Okay, this is where you will end up. You will end up like Germans, which is basically docile sex robots who are total slaves to, to the Jews who run their culture through proxies like Annalena Baerbock and people like that, okay? So that, that's, that's where it's going. Chris Smith is Mr. Pro-Life, and he's Mr. Hate Crimes Legislation. Now figure that one out, because uh, abortion is a Jewish sacrament, and yet he's uh, supposedly against abortion, and at the same time he's working to promote Jewish, more Jewish hegemony over our culture, which means more abortion. This is part of the contradiction that has to be exposed. So, yeah, there are people now in Florida. I saw a guy in Florida who talked. It was kind of a, a, a basically political theater standing up in front of the uh, city council, I believe it was in Orlando, saying how horrible it was when all he was, he was basically promoting his, his pamphlets. If the, so immediately the, the uh, legislators in Florida decided we have to rush out and declare this a crime. Well, if you do... Uh, I understand why you're doing because the Jews control the political process in Florida, okay? But if you do, it will go to the courts, and if it goes to the courts, it's going to be struck down. It's going to be struck down because you have a right to hand out leaflets, and there's nothing in the Constitution that says you're not allowed to criticize. You, you can't criticize the Holocaust. You can't shout fire in a crowded theater, but there's no limit on the historical events. There's no list of historical events in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights that says you are not allowed to criticize these ideas. So it will fail. And that is, I see, the, I see this moment right now where the Jews are at the pinnacle of their power and they're going to overplay their hand and there's going to be a reaction. The reaction has already taken place with abortion, the Jewish sacrament. If they keep pressing the issue, it's going to start taking place elsewhere. Uh, Dr. Jones, if I could just do a really quick follow-up with that. The, the guy who was doing that was Handsome Truth from uh, Goim.tv. Um, do, do you think the, the passing – he's really, like, popular for his um, leaflet programs. Do you think passing out those leaflets, is that a good idea? They usually seem to be quite informative. Sometimes they're um, a little heavy-handed, but, you know, they're not cursing or anything like that. You know, is that a good idea, passing out leaflets like that in public or, or not? What do you think, Dr. It's not Harris? a question of whether it's a good idea or not. It's a, you have a right to pass out leaflets. It's that simple. Whether you like it or not, whether I like what they're saying on the leaflet or not, that is not the issue. Now, this is they've gotten around this uh, like malls. Malls were the public square. Malls are private space, and so they're saying, okay, you can't pass that because it's a private property and you can't do that. Well, okay, you can get around this type of thing. You can come up with these rules like about abortion clinics. They're sacred spaces because the Jews want this to, to, to honor their religion and so on and so forth. But the fundamental fact is 
you have a right to hand out leaflets, and there's, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. If you challenge it now, you will be slapped down. In the same way that the idiots, the feminist idiots in Philadelphia were slapped down by a jury. Twelve people united saying, acquitting Mark Howe. That's what's going to happen. All right, next we have um, G.S.X. Anos, Antos. I'm not going to pronounce that. Uh, I think you know who you are. Uh, go ahead, unmute. Oh, Dr. Jones, it's an honor. How are you? Good, good. Good to hear from you. I was just watching one of your old C-SPAN videos from 1996 right before I got on, so I thought that was funny. It kind of relates to this whole idea of being named. So I just have a real simple question. Like, uh, with uh, have you how have you over the years dealt with like slander against Catholics? You know the usual attacks like priests are pedophiles and stuff like that. Even Catholic sympathizers sometimes I see echo it on Facebook and Twitter. What can we tell these people that's obviously appropriate? Like how do we how do we come back against some of this stuff? Well, you you have to look into the details of the charge and you have to refute it. So this was a uh, I mentioned Josh Shapiro. Josh Shapiro convened a, a grand jury in Harrisburg. Uh, with the clear intent of attacking the Catholic Church. He violated the principle, simply a fact-finding committee, okay? Uh, he, he violated the principles of the uh, grand jury by publishing the pictures of 300 priests who simply were not charged with crimes. That is clearly evidence of animus against the Catholic Church, and you have to expose the particulars of the situation if you want to refute it. The same thing happened in Philadelphia. Lynn Abrams, who is on the DA in Philadelphia, also a, a Jewish lady who's also on the board of the, uh, the ADL, uh, did the same thing in Philadelphia. Same result. One, I think she, there was one indictment there, uh, but she published the pictures of 300 priests. All Josh Shapiro was doing was imitating what a, Lynn Abrams did in, in, in Philadelphia, and it worked for him. It worked for him for the reasons I've already described. So if you're interested in dealing with this type of attack, you have to go into the details and expose the lies. That's simple. Yeah, it's just a little more difficult. And like I said, I don't even think people are trying to uh, actually debate that. They're just trying to smear. They're just using smear tactics, unfortunately. They don't care what you say back to them, you know. I'm just wondering, because well, you maybe, see a rise of that online. Maybe that person doesn't care, but a lot of other people will be influenced by what you say, and that person will be uh, sort of pushed into isolation. Once they expose, you expose them as a liar. Look, the liars are all over the place, and they're very powerful people. I told you, the New York Times believes that truth is the opinion of the powerful. But wait a minute, what happened to the New York Times? Who came up short here in this... Uh, article that Seymour Hersh. Did it discredit Seymour Hersh because he's not in the New York Times? Or did it discredit the New York Times because they are simply a propaganda outlet for the federal government now? I think that's the latter is the case. Right. Well, I just wanted people to think about that because you see, I think you see an, an increased amount of that on like your Facebooks and Twitter and your YouTube. And I don't know, there's got to be some way to basically counterattack what they're saying, which a lot of it is obviously lies and slander. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really You're appreciate welcome. it. Hey, have a great one. This was an honor. Thank you. All right. We're uh, clo not closing, but we're getting close to the second uh, half here. Uh, we're going to start doing uh, the
the uh, questions from uh, Cozy uh, and Telegram via text. Now, I hit a couple uh, in Telegram, and uh, but you guys kind of had a good shot. And Cozy, I want you guys to start asking some good questions. I'll jump to you guys in a couple minutes. All right. Um, let us go to the chat and Telegram. Uh, there were a couple interesting ones here. I think the first one we had is uh, Dangers of Beauty question from Duncan. Um, any uh, reason to be concerned about male nudity besides the obvious presence of disordered sexual attraction in some men? No. For, first of all, let's, let's, give you the, let's give the quintessential expression of male nudity. Uh, I would say it's uh, David, uh, Michelangelo's statue of David. Uh, it's in the uh, it's in the public square. A, a copy of it is in the public square in Florence. The uh, the original is in the Accademia. I said once it was in the Uffizi. It's not in the Uffizi. It's in the Accademia. Uh, what should this is about all nudity, okay? When you do it in marble, it calms the uh, concupiscence. It has a calming effect because it's in a different medium. And you're left, first of all, I have, I have no problem with male nudity because I don't have that type of orientation, okay? Uh, but I'm saying that any nudity, uh, if it's done in a medium like marble, will allow you to contemplate the form without the danger of concupiscence. Uh, I would say even uh, erotic stuff uh, like Rodin, I think Rodin is the, the kiss. That's in Philadelphia. I used to see it as a kid. I don't remember. Uh, that's obviously some type of erotic thing there. I didn't, as a kid, maybe it's just because I was a kid. I just think that the, the fact that it's a sculpture, that it's been formalized by the human mind, uh, organized by the human mind in a medium that calms down the passions, uh, makes it, uh, uh, removes any of the, problems of disordered sexual attraction. From uh, Cozy, uh, from uh, Young Groipa, uh, why do Roman Catholics worship Mary? We have to distinguish between dulia and latria. There are two words. Uh, and one is appropriate to God, and other is a kind of uh, saying that it's an honor. Or, uh, I'm, I'm searching. Obviously, there's, there's two we have two words in Latin, and we only have one word in, in English. But uh, it basically realizes that uh, she has a special place of honor. Uh, uh, and as a creature, she is a creature, she cannot be worshipped in the same sense that you would say you would worship God. So we're not worshipping Mary. That's a simple answer to your question. Uh, from Golden Boy AVI, question for E. Michael Jones. Do you consider the idea of, quote, white, and quote, a purely Anglo conception or a resonant identity? Yes, it's primarily Anglo. The term white, uh, first of all, it is in the English language. Uh, it came about as a description of uh, people in the early 17th century. It was a play in England. I think it was about the plantation system in Virginia. Uh, that's where blacks and whites came together. Uh, if uh, That's the first time that, let's say, indentured slaves from the Scottish Highlands came in contact with chattel slaves from Africa. And in order to distinguish them and divide the workforce, they designated black and white. And they 
bestowed privilege on the white and they denied privilege to the black. So that's where it came from. It is an Anglo concept. It basically der derives from the British Empire. This concept did not have uh, any significance whatsoever in the Spanish Empire. Uh, because there was uh, places like Brazil, that obviously that's Portuguese, but uh, much more intermarriage uh, in these pairs that simply didn't have the same resonance as it had in the British Empire. So yes, it's an Anglo concept. From the chattering, Dr. Jones, uh, can you explain how the bishops who said it was okay to take the vaccine was wrong? Yes, um, the problem here is that uh, with the word vaccine, the, the moral theologians uh, acted as if this word vaccine uh, could be taken out of some platonic realm, uh, unchanging realm, and it had a clear definition, when what was happening here during the COVID crisis was a completely experimental drug that had been confected by uh, companies like Pfizer that was unlike anything uh, in previous history that would be called a vaccine. It was not a vaccine, according to the traditional understanding of the word, and the Catholic moral theologians dropped the ball in this regard. They acted, as I said, uh, according to like a historical Thomism. A Dominican was one of the people that I remember reading. Completely a historical Thomism, and as a result, they came up with the wrong decision. Uh, let's see. From Kingfish, question. Uh, how can a president abolish the FBI and or CIA without getting assassinated? Good question. This is obviously, uh, this is what happened to John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy crossed the FBI, uh, I'm sorry, the CIA over the Bay of Pigs. Uh, they uh, conspired to kill him. Okay, uh, the same thing, uh, this is exactly the problem here. Now, Jimmy Carter tried the same thing with the CIA. Uh, and uh, instead of being uh, murdered, he was uh, relegated to being a one-term president, largely because of the conspiring of George H.W. Bush, who had been head of the CIA, who basically mobilized the 2,000 cowboy rogue agents that Carter had fired, mobilized them in an attack on uh, Carter, uh, the culmination of which was the Iran hostage crisis, which was deliberately prolonged to drive uh, Carter from office and make him a one-term president. So you're exactly right, exactly right. If you cross these big organizations, uh, they specialize in murder to begin with, certainly the CIA does, and uh, how are you going to prevent them uh, from murdering you? But then again, how can you not deal with them? This is the dilemma that anyone in political office will face. Well, to, to follow up on that, we were talking about this earlier, like maybe the solution uh, in the FBI currently, because there's so many Catholics, is to basically just, just do that, just kind of turn into the cowboys. Maybe like an, an internal shift, an internal rebellion of Catholic FBI agents. This is easier, easier, easier said, said than, than done. done. Mm -hmm. you know, you're, not in the, you're not in the FBI. No. But the word should go, there should be discussion, serious discussion in the FBI of why are we going against Catholics for being pro-life? What, what kind of crime is this? That, that's part of the problem. Now, now the FBI was a, a particular situation. Uh, the FBI was based on blackmail. J. Edgar Hoover was a blackmailer. That's how he stayed in power until the day he died. They had to drag him, carry him out in a box. 
He, he, no politician was powerful enough to get rid of J. Edgar Hoover because he had files on everyone. And the only problem that J. Edgar Hoover has was there was a bigger blackmailer out there, and that was the ADL and Meyer Lansky, who had pictures of J. Edgar Hoover in his pink nightie, uh, uh, compromising photos of one sort or another. And so the, uh, J. Edgar Hoover ended up doing the bidding of these uh, of the Jews who were bigger blackmailers. Um, ah, here's one. Um, I'm kind of jumping around here because I lost my spot. So uh, if, you, if I didn't get to you guys, I'll try to. Uh, from Carlos Rios, 07. Dr. Jones, will you ever write a book about the Protestant Reformation? Uh, probably not because I've covered it in uh, various ways in a number of different books. So I dealt with it in Baron. I dealt with the used largely the financial aspect, aspects of the Protestant Reformation in uh, Baron Metal. I dealt with the uh, psychological ramifications of uh, Luther's uh, breaking his vows. I covered that in Degenerate Moderns. I covered uh, the philosophical implications of the Reformation, namely. The, the effect of nominalism on Luther in Logos Rising. So uh, basically, I've talked a lot about it already in various books, so I don't really think I'm going to ever bring it together in one book. From Post No Bills, question. Do you believe that another Father Coughlin type may arise in America anytime soon? If you're talking about a Catholic priest, no, it will never happen. Never happen because the, the, the bishop will never allow it, largely because of Vatican II, Nostra Tate, and this idea of Catholic-Jewish dialogue, the Jews are our elder brothers, and so on and so forth. It, it, will, it can't possibly happen. The closest thing uh, that, like that will be the person you're talking to right now, uh, who has been talking this way for going on 20 years now, uh, and simply uh, has the freedom of a layman without the uh, the clout of the clergy, I, I think basically what you're going to see here is over the course of a generation, uh, the failed experiment of Vatican II, Catholic Jewish dialogue will just pass into the dustbin of history. It will just be ignored, and people will eventually gravitate back to the traditional teaching, uh, which is supersessionism. From Glaucon, Dr. Jones, what do you think of Hebrew Catholics? Okay, the Association of Hebrew Catholics is David Moss. Um, they want a Hebrew right. Uh, I, I remember the first time I heard about them, it was down in Kentucky. Father Kleiber was a Jew who had converted. He was a priest. He was talking to Mark Drogan at that time, uh, uh, and they didn't like the idea. First, uh, and they didn't think that you should have a Hebrew right, and now I, I think I agree with them. Now, apparently Mark Druggan has changed his mind on this, uh, and I don't know where he stands now, but basically the reason is you don't have any Hebrew identity anymore. And so therefore, you don't have, uh, you, you have no identity as a Jew. Let's put it this way, let's clarify the terms. Because a Jew is based on your Jewish identity is based on the rejection of Logos. So if you reject the rejection of Logos, you're no longer a Jew. 
And so therefore there's no Jewish identity to be carried over, and so therefore you don't need your own right. A right is generally something that deals with a, a specific language, for example. Well, the Jews don't speak Yiddish anymore. You, you want to have a mass in Yiddish? No, that's not what they're talking about. It's some type of affirmation of Jewish identity within the Catholic Church, which is an, a, a contradiction in terms. So the result of talk like this about the Hebrew right, uh, Hebrew Catholics, that type of thing, is the rise of the converso problem. And so you have Catholics, uh, Jewish converts like uh, uh, Dorn Goldstein, uh, Rebecca Bratton-Weiss. Uh, the, the, the water of baptism is hardly dry on their foreheads, and they are denouncing fellow Catholics as anti-Semites. This is an outrageous violation of the unity of the Catholic Church, and it's a sign that you, you're, you don't understand what conversion means. Conversion means giving up the bad habits of the past. And one of the worst habits that Jews have is denouncing people they don't like as anti-Semites. That's the net result of this, con this talk, this uh, David Moss and his sisters talk about a Hebrew right. From State and Forest, uh, if someone was going to read your books, uh, which should he start with first? You start with what interests you, because I've written about it. So interested in economics, begin with barren metal. Are you interested in art, aesthetics, begin with the dangers of beauty. You're interested in philosophy, begin with Logos Rising. You're interested in psychology, the history of psychology, the weaponization of sexual liberation, begin with libido dominandi. You're interested in urban renewal, city planning, all that type of stuff. Read Slaughter of Cities. You, you, get the, you get the drift here. You're interested in horror movies. Read Monsters from the Id. You, it depends on you. What you're most interested in, that, that's where you should start. Well, it's uh, 6.07, Dr. Jones. Keep going? Or? Yeah, let's keep going. I spent, I took a little longer than I thought. Yeah. Um, okay, from uh, Natty Camp Hero, um, if simply kicking these people out has failed 109 times, uh, what is a better solution? Conversion. 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 I just got a, a manuscript from a Jew who converted. I think I may have played some role in this conversion. That's what's going to happen because where, where are you going? It, it, in a sense, where are you going to kick them out to? You know, at, at, at that point, uh, where, uh, where are they going to go? If you're asking me, I think they're planning, the plan for the Ukraine is the ethnic cleansing of the Ukraine. And at that point, drive them out because of the war. I, I have a, uh, someone I know who's Ukrainian. She told me that her relatives are all saying the Ukrainian government is telling them to leave. The Ukrainian government wants to empty the Ukraine. That's because uh, the Zelensky, the Jew in charge, is willing to shed, uh, he's willing to fight to the last drop of Ukrainian blood because he doesn't have Ukrainian blood. He's got Jewish blood. And he's collaborating now with Larry Fink of BlackRock, the vulture capitalist on Wall Street, uh, who's going to come in uh, to, uh, quote, rebuild the company when what we're really talking about is they're going to buy up Ukrainian assets on for pennies on the dollar because the owners have been driven out of the country. Uh, the owners of that land have been driven out of the country. And where did they go? Well, they're going to places like Ireland, as Gemma. I've done podcasts with Gemma. That's what she's telling me. So you got the double whammy here. 
you're ethnically cleansing the Ukrainians so the Jews can take over their real ancestral homeland, which is the Pale of the Settlement, and you're sending them as proxy warriors to, to engage in the ethnic cleansing of places like Ireland so that the Jews can take over there. This is serious business. It's not going to work because um, the Ukrainians are going to lose this war. They're losing it as we speak. The Russians are going to take over, and that will be the end of this crazy scheme with Zelensky allowing BlackRock in to enrich uh, the, the, the world's wealthy Jews. From Dr. Sussniggles, question. Dr. Jones, do you think Pat J. Buchanan was aware of the Jewish hold on culture? Yes. Yes, he was an older generation. I admire Pat. Uh, I, I've reviewed many of his books. Uh, and in one of them, uh, he was talking about um, the, 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 the neoconservative threat and the threat of immigration. Anyway, the, the, the gist of it was, I said, well, is Paul Wolfowitz a Mexican? Because you can't really name Paul Wolfowitz. He was of a generation that felt he could not name the name. I'm a younger generation, and I have named the name that, that Pat would not name. Now, being saying that, uh, the Jews hated him anyway. And the hatred came out when he ran for president in 1992, uh, where one of his most stunning achievements was the um, resurrection of America first. No one knew what it was uh, in 1992, and suddenly he's going to talk about, you know, re reinvigorating the economy, the end of globalism, that type of thing. So it was a great accomplishment. He was a, a commentator uh, who basically was introduced to the halls of power as a young man and never got over it. And so he would end up saying things like, uh, you know, I can't believe my good friend Dick Cheney would do something like that. Well, <laughs> Dick Cheney was capable of doing anything, Pat. And uh, the fact that you met him in the White House or the Oval Office doesn't change that fact. It blinded you to the fact. From NPM, uh, can you debrief your take on your conversation with Charles Moskowitz? Are you getting any anywhere? Uh, I guess it's positive he continues to invite you back. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Sometimes I ask myself, are we ever getting anywhere? I think we did make, make progress. This is like the... Uh, Conversation with Charles Moskowitz is like the war in the Ukraine, where, you know, you grind down, you're, you're basically uh, measuring it in inches or meters or something like that, you know. So it's been a long process. He still has that kind of, let, let, me, let me cut to the chase here. Charles Moskowitz is challenged when it comes to forming categories. And he's trained to do this uh, as a Jew. So whenever you try and use the category Jew, all he, all he talks about is individuals. Ch Charles Moskowitz lives in a world where there are, uh, there's a birch tree here and there's a pine tree there, but there's no such thing as a forest. There's no such thing as a category tree. It's only individuals. And because of that, he's handicapped in dealing with the issues because the Jew is a category of reality. I keep saying that, you know. And as soon as I bring up uh, somebody like Trotsky, he'll say, well, he's not a real Jew. We, we, we went back and forth on this the last time. I, I think we're making progress. Uh, whether, uh, I don't know, if you, you'd have to ask him if he thinks he's making progress. 
from Fletcher, question, do you think any bishops will stand up to the Vatican if the next TC bans the TLM? Yes. Yeah, they simply won't enforce it. That's, that's what's going on in this diocese. The, the bishop just said mass here at the biggest Latin mass parish in the diocese, uh, endorsing basically their whole operation, well, endorsing an operation, namely a parish that is focused only on the Latin mass, a parish where they will not say the vernacular mass, in spite of the fact that the, the old Polacks in the neighborhood want them to, is a clear violation of uh, what was called traditionis custodis, clear violation uh, of what the Pope said. But, you know, what's, the Pope is, the bishop's the bishop. You can't fire the bishop. You know, and it's, so it's simply, it's simply, it's going to remain a dead letter. It's not going to be implemented. Now, I, I saw this right before we started, Dr. Jones. It looks like Bishop Robert Barron in his diocese, I think that's up in uh, Winona, it just broke that he had banned, he just banned the Latin Mass up there. Now, I, you're right. Now, I have to correct myself. I'm mm -hmm. saying it's up to the local bishop. Mm -hmm. And if the local bishop doesn't want to enforce it, which seems to be the case in Fort Wayne, South Bend, it's not going to be enforced. On the other hand, Chicago, Supich is coming down like a ton of bricks on the on the uh, the Catholic uh, on the traditional Latin Mass parishes there. Uh, so it depends on where you are, and I think that the people who uh, are supportive of Francis, who got to where they are, were appointed cardinals by Francis, are going to do his bidding and crack down. Do, do you think the the action that Bishop Barron just made uh, was any way related to this FBI list? Like, does Barron and his team say like, well, these uh. As the FBI says that these Latin masters are anti-Semites. Let's we got to stop the Latin mass. Was that something he considers? Is that why he did it, or, or is just that's a good that's a good question. You have to, we'll have to bring Bishop Barron on here and ask him the question because I can't answer that. It seems kind of short. It seems that it must have been in the works. Maybe it was already in the works, and this was the FBI report uh, allowed him to pull the trigger. I I don't know. I can't answer questions like that. All right, uh, from Gaio M, um, do you think the U.S. has uh, ha has the uh, has to have financial collapse for the Jews to lose complete control of the country? You're, yes, I, I, I probably I think we we have to come to this conclusion. I, I was uh, when I was in Mashhad at the conference there. Uh, Phil Giraldi was there, and I said. I'm praying for a peaceful end to the American empire. Well, it looks as if God is not going to answer my prayers because you have the war in the Ukraine. And sometimes I think that when evil gets so entrenched, you have to have an outside force to restore order. This is the message of Shakespearean plays. This is the message of Fortinbras in Hamlet. It's also the message of Europe. If you look at history, I mean, it was Luther who referred to the Turks as the Peitsche, someone said Geisel and Peitsche Gottes. Well, let's just say Peitsche Gottes. Uh, Islam is the scourge of God. It's going to punish the Christian West for its sins, and primarily it's going to publish the Christian West for its disunity. So the Turks, guess when the Turks got really strong? It was during the Protestant Reformation, when Luther is basically Luther is cheering on the Turks as they're marching up the Danube and pillaging and and, and looting uh, Christendom at this point, and then at a certain point they they regain their uh, strength, they regain their unity, and they're able to repulse uh, the Turks as they did with the help of the Poles in, in Vienna in what was it seven six I forget the date okay. That was the great, great moment. So, yeah, 
uh, is uh, sometimes, if the evil is this great, only some type of devastating military force can break it. This was also the case in Mexico at the time of Cortez. The Aztecs had such a hold on political power. They were so ruthless, they would march hundreds of thousands of people up the pyramids to cut their hearts out. A, a, a completely ruthless, immoral uh, regime that could only be uh, uh, taken down by military force, which is the role that Cortez played in God's plan there. So I, I, I'm, real, I'm feeling pessimistic now. We have to, at this point, concede that the Russians have won the war in the Ukraine. We have to start negotiating uh, with no preconditions. We have to stop uh, basically uh, the, the continuing the tradition of unconditional surrender that got established uh, immorally during World War II, cost hundreds of thousands of lives. We have to start acting like human beings, and the problem is uh, those people in charge don't act this way. They are not rational people because they are in rebellion against Logos, and I'm talking specifically about uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, the Secretary of State. You know, These are people that start off every conversation with, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, and so you better shut the, up and listen to what I say and take dictation and do what I say. That's no, people like this should not be in charge of our foreign policy, just as Merrick Garland should not be in charge of law enforcement in this country because these people are incapable of acting rationally. That's the problem. That's the problem. Wherever you look, it comes back to this problem of people who are in rebellion against Logos now have the levers of power in their hand and thousands and thousands of people are going to die because of this. Um, someone had a question here. There it is from Millennial Mikey. Are all Jews bad? <laughs> what a question. <laughs> Where, did you just tune in? <laughs> did you read the Jewish revolutionary spirit? Is this the impression? I'm going to let me cut to the chase here. Okay. When I talk about the Jews, I am talking about the Jewish people. This is a political construct. At the time of Christ, it was run by the Sanhedrin. It's now run by major Jewish organizations. They use little Jews. These are big Jews who use little Jews as their proxy warriors and human shields to advance their agenda. Okay, when I say the Jews, I do not mean every single Jew. These are two different things. Okay, and that is precisely the issue. It was the issue at the time of Christ? You know, Saint Peter was a Jew. He did not. Uh, he, he betrayed Christ, but he didn't call crucify him. Blessed Mother, Saint John, same thing. Okay, so we're not talking about uh, good people versus bad people. We're talking about people whose identity is based on the rejection of Logos, uh, which is the fundamental reality of human existence and the difficulties you have in dealing with people like this. All right. Well, uh, you want to keep going, Dr. One Jones? One more question. One more questions? All right. Let me try to find... Good. Uh, no, that's a video game. We don't. Uh, 
Um, well, I am, let's see, I am, uh, I did just receive, I'm getting a message from people online that said the FBI walked back their document. Yes. From the headquarters. Yes. So that, that's good news. Let me, uh, for people just to know. Just got a one. Um, well, here's one. Uh, uh, yeah, hello, Dr. Jones. Are you familiar with the work of Elizabeth Dilling in the 1930s America First movement? No. No? Okay. Oh, well, is there any report of a Jewish neighborhood being dismantled by weaponized migration? Yeah, the, the, uh, it's in uh, the slaughter cities, the, uh, the neighborhood. I forget the name of the neighborhood in Boston, but yeah. It was it was sacrificed uh, uh, because those Jews weren't important, you know. They're all, you're always going to find a situation. The situation in Israel right now uh, is that uh, there are many Israelis who are saying that ben, Benjamin Netanyahu sacrificed, turned them into lab rats for Pfizer because he made out. It's always going to be part of the situation. If you watch uh, a serious man, it's uh, you know Jews, little Jews being tyrannized by rabbinical. Uh, uh, by the rabbis, always the case, and uh, I, I, it's in it's in the uh, and and I'm drawing a blank right now, but that story is in the Jewish. In, I'm sorry, it's in uh, the slaughter of cities. All right, well, um, thanks guys for joining us once again at EMJ Live. This is every Friday at five. Don't forget to subscribe to Culture Wars Magazine. Buy the books at fidelitypress.org. If you're not. Subscribe to our Telegram if you're on Telegram. Follow us on Cozy. All of our videos are going to be on BitChute, uh, Gab, Rumble, Cozy. I'll have this video up tomorrow. I usually get the videos up the day after. I'm being pretty good, pretty, uh, putting pretty good at that. Um, let's see. I don't have any announcements. Did 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 uh, did you want to the any announcements on the Holocaust book or still? It's going to come out this year. This year, okay. It's finished. We're proofreading it. We're laying it out. It's going to come out this year. Cool. All right. Well, that's all I got. Any last words? I will let you, by the way, I will let you know when it goes to the printer. Uh, the printer will usually give us a publication date once it gets to the printer. So be, stay tuned here and you'll, you'll know. You'll be the first to know. All right. Awesome, guys. We'll see you next week. God bless. Have a good one.